Circular Conversations from Hell. The very first time I ever read that phrase, I knew exactly what it was talking about. I knew that this is what I had been experiencing in my marriage for years. My name is Renee Swanson, and I'm the host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast. And I want to thank you for joining me here today. We're going to dive into what is a circular conversation. Circular conversations are common with narcissistic people. And, and a lot of people might call it word salad. You'll hear gaslighting. All of these are related. So in a normal conversation with somebody who is not narcissistic, that conversation is a time to connect with that other person. You know, just some genuineness, some spontaneity, and, and just some realness, some humanness. And, and the conversation might be for the purpose of connecting with them or finding understanding, uh, reconciliation, compromise. All of these are, are ways that that conversation is used. But not when you're dealing with someone who is narcissistic. And in particular, a covert narcissist. To them, conversation is a competition. It's for the purpose of winning. There's a winner and a loser in a conversation. And so it, it's the competition. I mean, it's there's no place for spontaneity. There's no place for genuineness and realness. There's no place for this to be relaxed and just natural, you know, chatting. This is actually war. And if you've ever been in a circular conversation, you know what I'm talking about. It is the most isolated, lonely, destitute place that I've ever experienced in my life. So in our household, in order for us to actually have a conversation, in order for, for my husband to have a conversation with someone within the family unit, it was like we had to go through some big ordeal. It was like everything had to stop. The TV had to be muted and, and life had to cease existing. You had to sit on the couch. Nobody moves. Nobody breathes. And it's like this, you know, announcement to the world. We are now having a conversation. And, and after making this announcement that we are having a conversation, everybody knew that meant it was his turn to speak, that he had something he wanted to say. And usually it meant he had been upset by something or hurt by something that we had done. And so our minds are now trying to figure out what in the world is about to come blowing up at us. He would sit there quietly with his eyes closed for a few minutes as though he was just pondering, you know, how in the world he was going to say this this thing that he wanted to say. And it felt like maybe trumpets were going to come out of the sky and play a fanfare announcing that the king was about to speak. It was ridiculous. And it left everyone so uncomfortable. Everybody's just on edge and, and the guards are up and the anxiety level is, is up. No one feels safe. You know, you can't, you can't utter a word. You can't say anything because he would go, no, I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking about what I want to say, so don't interrupt me. You know, to me, the silent treatment, when people talked about the silent treatment, I thought, you know, what are they referring to? And I, and I thought about, you know, how they were describing it, where their partner would not talk to them for days on end. And I didn't experience this. This was not, you know, something that was going on. So I thought, okay, well, the silent treatment is not his thing. Well, then I realized that the silent treatment was absolutely his thing, but it was used in a very different way. The silent treatment in my household was these, these moments of intense 
silence where he wanted to say something and he's made it clear he wants to say something and usually he's also made it clear that he's upset or he's hurt and he would stop and just sit there in total silence and now you're sitting there trapped you're trapped waiting for him to voice whatever it is he's trying to voice but he wouldn't do it he would just sit there in silence and if you get up and try to walk away he'd say well you're just going to run out on me and and are you really just going to leave when you know i want to talk to you and i would say well then talk to me well i got to figure out how i'm going to say this and what i'm going to say and and so again there we'd go right back into silence and it's this pregnant pause of just this just this unbearable silence and, and during that moment of silence, when we had these family meetings or whatever we had, whether they included the kids and sometimes they did not, during that time of silence, nobody would say a word. The kids, they would keep their mouths completely shut. Why? Because they had learned from experience. You see, when you're dealing with somebody who is, who is a covert narcissist, you learn that you have the right to remain silent because anything you say can and will be used against you. Anything you utter is going to be manipulated. It's going to be flipped around and all of a sudden now you're going to find yourself in the line of fire when maybe you weren't there in the first place. And so you learn to keep your mouth shut. These circular conversations are the single most painful place I've ever experienced in life. I have never felt so alone and so destitute as when I was trapped in one of these. And I do mean trapped. There is no way out. Nothing you say is going to change the course of events. Nothing you say is going to change how this is going to turn out. You know, there is no way to turn it in a positive direction. I used to try, oh my word, I tried so hard to turn things in a positive direction then let's connect let's reconcile let's you know let's say i'm sorry let's fix this but it's not possible no matter what you say the covert narcissist is going to turn everything around again and again spinning forever in a bottomless pit of negativity you are going to find yourself defending everything you've ever done you've ever said or you've ever even thought you're defending a look you had or the way you breathed. You know, your guards are up and they're active. Spontaneity does not exist. Reconciliation does not exist. Even the normal give and take of a conversation does not exist. So I want to get into the signs of a circular conversation. And I have eight signs. We're going to get into three of them today. And then in the very next episode, we're going to, going to go through the rest of them. So number one. You find yourself teaching an adult about basic communication skills, basic human emotions, and even common decency. You are actually trying to teach them, a full-grown adult, how to talk nice to people. Isn't this something that we learn in kindergarten? I mean, we talk about this in elementary school, you know, the golden rule. Now, Johnny, we must not talk to people that way. And, and we got to use our nice voice and our friendly voice. You know, you learn this as a child. Healthy adults, they just, they don't need to be taught what the golden rule is. But a narcissistic person, they seem to have missed those lessons entirely. I remember explaining to him one day, I'm going to use the name Steve. My, my, our son is not named Steve, but I'm going to use that name. I remember explaining to him one day of, well, 
when you say his name, you know, in such a way that his guard goes up, then he's going to be, you know, on alert and, and going to be afraid to talk to you because he didn't understand why is he afraid to talk to me? And I said, well, you call him so aggressively. And he goes, what do you mean? And I said, so now I'm explaining this. If you can say, hey, Steve, in a nice voice, Steve is going to come over and you, then you can ask him the question. You know, he wanted to ask just a, a mindless question that was no big deal. But instead, he, hey, Steve, he barks it out so aggressively. And our son already has his guard up and is afraid to talk to his father. And I'm trying to explain this to him. And as I'm explaining it, I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. How crazy is this that I'm explaining to a full-grown man? He's the father of two children. And I'm explaining to him how his tone of voice influences people's feelings. Well, I realized we got a real problem here. If I'm explaining this, if I'm having to explain to a full-grown adult how to treat people nicely, then something is not right. And, and I'm going to tell you that with a covert narcissist, they know how to do this. They know how to be kind and good, and they simply choose not to. And if you're, in, if you're doubting that and wondering if that's true, look at how he treats you when you're with other people. Does he talk nicer? Look at how he treats other people. Other people that are outside your household, does he talk nicer to them? Well, if that's the case, then he knows how to talk nice to people. But he chooses not to do that within the four walls of your home. Number two, you find yourself thinking, if I could just find the right words, then he would stop treating me this way. You know, if I just could find those magical words where he would finally say, he would just finally get it, then he would stop hurting me this way. I absolutely wore my brain out with this one. I tried every angle I could ever possibly conceive of. I tried from this direction. I tried from that direction. Maybe these words or this approach, maybe this tone of voice or this perspective. And it was, it was an endless effort, completely emptying me of all energy that I had. And to top it all off, it never did any good. We never got anywhere. I remember one time sitting and thinking, finally, finally, after all these years of marriage, I have finally found words that he'll, he'll understand this. You know, I thought I, I thought I knew him and I thought he would understand this way. Finally, these are words he's going to get. And he looked me straight in the face and said, I have no idea what you are talking about. I threw my hands up and walked away and I thought I cannot find any other angle to approach this from. And, and in trying so hard, all this did was it kept the responsibility on my own shoulders. If I could just find the right words, well, that meant if I'm not able to find the right words, then maybe I couldn't be mad at him for not getting it. If I, if I can't find the right words to explain to him why he's hurting me so much, then it's on me. And how can I be mad at him? What? Since when did I become the counselor or the therapist? Since when did it become my job to teach him how to talk nicely to people? It's not my job to help him fix this. I do think, you know, there's some effort that has to happen in a relationship. It was my job to be open and honest with him. And I did that. But there comes a point where it's no longer my responsibility to keep explaining it to him. He clearly doesn't get it, and he clearly doesn't want to. You see, he's got to want to understand. 
And if I can't find the right words to explain it to him, okay, fine. But he's not putting any effort in to actually understanding what I'm saying. So maybe, maybe he doesn't want to learn. Maybe he doesn't want to get it. Number three, these conversations are antagonistic and combative. I reached a point in my marriage where I actually said to my friend, I don't even know how to have a normal conversation with my husband. You see, narcissistic people don't see conversations as that time of connection. Like we already talked about, they see it as verbal competition. And they almost seem to not want to understand. These simple little things, simple things that I would request. Hey, would you, you know, scoot your car over in the garage? Or would you, you know, not buy this sandwich meat anymore? Let's go to this sandwich meat. Simple things were all of a sudden a problem. It was a difficult conversation. He, I don't understand what you're saying. What do you mean you don't understand what I'm saying? Can you scoot your car over in the garage? How is that complicated? But they don't seem to want to understand it. And in not understanding, they can then maintain their position of superiority. They can still be in charge because, well, I don't get what you're saying. So that's on you. It's, it's your fault for not being able to put it into words I can understand. And then they can stay superior to you and not responsible for any of the situations that are going on. Another piece of this is in order to truly understand or sympathize with another person for just a moment or two, you have to let the conversation be about that other person. Narcissistic people cannot do this. Not even for the tiniest of moments can life be about someone else. So they keep the conversation confusing and difficult. And they keep everything centered around them and their inability to perceive anything. Their inability to understand you. And so then they have a duty to explain to you how you're supposed to communicate. Or to educate you on how you can be a better person. And it remain, they can then remain superior and arrogant. I hope this makes sense and you see this cycle and how it plays out in these conversations. I've got so much more to talk about and we're going to go through, you know, signs four through eight in the next episode. Listen to me. No one has a right to talk to you this way. And if you are trapped in these circular conversations, you've got to get out. And at the end of the second episode, the next episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about how to get out of this. And there's more coming on that in our future. But you can walk away. Quit trying to find reconciliation with them. Quit trying to find that moment of understanding where both sides, you know, just connect and understand. You're never going to find it with them. So quit trying. Do yourself that favor and simply walk away. No one has a right to treat you like this. I never dreamed how much I would actually enjoy podcasting. When it was first suggested to me, I'll be honest, I was a bit intimidated by the thought. But when I found Anchor, I quickly realized how easy this was going to be. Anchor provides me with the tools to record and edit right within their program. I don't need additional software. I didn't even need to know how to distribute the podcast because they do it all for me. I would not be where I am today as a podcaster without Anchor. It's all you need and completely free. If you are looking to get started, download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started.